classic 80s metal. Symphonic death metal opera. But I've got to be in the mood to listen to Black Sabbath. Many of our listeners weren't even born then. Back for time, very progressive. I can see there are thrash elements. You are a metal paradox. A stunning vision of death metal. I would listen to it over and over and over again today. It just seems so dated. I hear this more as operatic and goth. Florianson will surpass Halford as the iconic heavy metal singer. You're listening to The Great Metal Debate Podcast. Welcome back to the Great Metal Debate. Listeners, this is Gone Dog, and I'm joined again by my partner, Brian. Welcome, Brian. How are you doing this late September uh, evening, sir? I'm doing good. Kind of turning to fall a little bit around here. The leaves are changing. Man, it is beautiful here along the Green River in western Kentucky. Excellent. Excellent. Well, we've got some good stuff to talk about tonight, Gone Dog. Where uh, do you think we should start? Man, I'd like to start talking about some recent tours that have been announced and also de-announced. Yeah, I mean, I assume you're speaking about the Machine Head cancellation. Absolutely, man. You know that I am a huge fan of the band Epica. Epica, of course, has had a number of tours throughout North America. And their latest tour in support of their latest album, The Quantum Enigma, uh-huh. they were actually third on the bill under Machine Head and Children of Bodom. That tour was recently canceled because Machine Head said, we aren't close enough to finishing our album, so we're just going to cancel this North American tour that we had scheduled. Yeah, so I, I heard the lead singer for Machine Head, and he's been touring the country in promotion for the album, the upcoming tour, and apparently he was playing these broken snippets of all the music, and they just haven't got it done. And I'm not a big fan of Machine Head. They're a bit like alternative metal, if you ask me. But I know that the fans were very upset, and in particular, I know that a lot of the fans of, of Children of Bodom and Epica were very upset about this, understandably so. Both those bands, Brian, have huge fan bases. Both bands, Children of Bodom and Epica, believe that their band should be headlining, and both are pissed that their support role was canceled. You know, I, absolutely. If you read some of the tweets by, uh, I believe it's pronounced Alexi Leho from uh, Children of Bodom, he said, you know, life goes on, uh, at least now we have an extra month and a half to kind of write some Children of Bodom shit, and instead of focusing on the negative, I'm just going to start to write music this very second, and there'll be some angry shit. And the implication is, I'm angry because these assholes canceled the, the tour. I think it's amazing. If you're coming from overseas, especially like Epica, to confirm a tour is a huge commitment in time and resources. Absolutely. It's amazing to me that they would cancel that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, with, uh, you know, apart from some sort of tragic thing, you know, just that, you know, we couldn't agree on how to fix the song or some shit like that. That just, that, that just makes no sense. I mean, I wonder what the procedure is now. You know, does Epica wait to get on another bill? Or do Children of Bodom go out on their own and do local shows? I mean, I wonder what, wonder what the protocol is for that. I mean, I don't know what the protocol is. As a huge fan of Epica, I'm hoping that they say, that's crap, we're going to control our own destiny, and in 2015, we're going to go out on a headlining tour of North America. Yeah, I mean, that would be great for their fans. 
you know, and I, w- I wonder how difficult it is to put together your own tour. I mean, you have to play smaller venues, but you've all, you, you've got to get some kind of promotion going. I know that Your Chance to Die talks about it, you know, how hard it is to kind of get a tour together, especially a local headlining tour of your own. I mean, you've got to be super committed, and especially if you've got people relying on you, like other bands, and then you just go, well, we couldn't get it done, sorry. Well, it's a huge commitment, Brian, and I mean, it, it's a huge commitment of time, resources, and money. What I wonder is whether Machine Head looked at, you know, the potential was, and Maybe part of their decision was based on, we're not going to make any money off this. Uh, you know, we've talked about that before. You know, a lot of music and touring and, and recording comes down to, do you have the money or are you going to make the money? I'm certain that most artists, especially metal artists, don't seem to be into it for that. But you got to think it was a consideration. They may not be in it for the money, that said, they can't just take a bath. I mean, they're, they're not printing bills in their basement. Yeah, yeah. Metal artists stand to potentially lose an incredible amount of money. They can't afford that. So, I mean, it's, it's a huge consideration. Well, you know, I think one of the differences, I, I know that big-name artists, when they set up a tour, the promoter gives them their money up front. So the show goes on, the show goes off. As long as the band shows up, they're supposed to get their money. I think for a smaller tour like this, they have to make sure that they're going to make that money uh, or at least, you know, at least break even to get out there. For the smaller artists, I think breaking even is a success, Brian. Yes, I do too. I do too. Well, man, let's go on to another topic that we have discussed with others on our Facebook page, which is, can metal become too technical? That's a great question, Gomthog. We have talked about this, and we've talked about this with some musicians, which has kind of given me a different perspective, but I want to start with this statement. I think there's a difference between not liking a style of music and not liking it altogether. I like some styles of metal more than others, and that's true. And personal preference for me is affected by the overall tone. That being said, I certainly appreciate the talent of all the bands that take the time and energy and effort to become great musicians. And so that being said, and that being truly understood, yes, you can get too technical. What do you think? I totally disagree, Brian. I don't think that one can become too technical in their musicianship. The more technicality, the more nuance that one can bring to their craft, the better that craft is. I'll provide one caveat. Okay. If a band stands on stage when I pay to see them, and then they become so focused on the technicality that all they care about is making sure that what comes out of those speakers is exactly what they have produced on record, Uh that may be an issue for me. I want them to perform, to provide a show. I'm willing to sacrifice some accuracy. To me, the energy they display on stage is important. Uh I don't just want to be watching someone on a screen performing. I want to be interacting with them. So that's important to me. But otherwise, I don't think you can be too technical. Have you ever listened to a song and just, just went, okay, there, there, there's too much, there, there's, too, there, there's too many notes in that part of the song, or, there's, or there's, there's too much of this particular instrument or that particular instrument? Do you, do you ever experience songs in that way where you go, eh, just no, back off? No. No. Okay, that's, I mean, I, you know, I respect that. 
But for me, technical, just to be technical, kind of defeats the purpose of the music. But that's a value judgment on your part to say that what they're doing is technical just to be technical. Where are you drawing that line, Brian? <laughs> well, I draw that line where the technicality becomes more than the music itself. I mean, music should be about the sound. And at some point, it just kind of comes off as pretentious. It doesn't matter what it sounds like. Look how good I am. I've practiced and I've played and I deserve to do this. It's hard to put that stuff together in the context of a song. And I think there are a few bands that can pull it off. Origin is a band that is extremely technical. And they produce good music. But there are other bands that, to me, sound like they're just four guys separately putting on a show, hoping that people will notice their instruments the most. I'm glad you brought up Origin. That's a band that I would say I don't like, uh -huh. to use your terminology. And they're very technical. But I also wouldn't say that technicality gets in the way of the music. I just don't happen to enjoy the way they employ their music. You know, and that's a value judgment. And, and I think value judgment plays a strong part in this for anyone who listens to music. But to me, I want there to be a flow of music. There are bands that never, ever hit the 4-4 time and the chorus, verse, chorus that I love. You know, we saw a band beyond creation, extremely technical. And there are songs of theirs that I like more than others. And I like that band. I like their music. I like their aggression. I like that they can produce on stage a sound that sounds like the songs that they play. But there are songs to me of theirs that flow more than the others. Uh, and the technicality seems to take a back seat to the production of the song itself. There are songs where the purpose of the song seems to be only about, look how good my instrument is. And then there are songs that are about the sound that a band wants to produce. And I think there's two very distinct ways that you can use your technicality. One is self-serving, and one is serving the music. I would just disagree fundamentally with your dichotomy of if it's too technical, that takes away from the flow or feeling of the music. I don't think that's the case at all. I, I'm not sure too technical is what I'm talking about. I, I'm talking about technicality serving the purpose of furthering the music. I, I, I'm sorry, I can't give you a definition of how I mean for that. So how are we to evaluate your critique if you're saying, I can't explain to you how I'm criticizing this? Well, I'm not sure that the object is to evaluate my critique. I'm sure that I think the object should be to evaluate the music on your own. And I think that making the general statement that technicality is never too much is the exact same thing as saying technicality is always too much. It's not a, a cut-and-dry issue. I think that even musicians would say that very same thing. As long as it serves the purpose of the song they're trying to create, put on tape, put on DVD, put on eight tracks, there you go, hit me with that one, then technicality is fine. Yeah, and I, I think by your, your citation of eight tracks places you squarely out of uh, the realm of any sort of intelligent discussion about what's going on here. But I think that a band can be as technical as they want to be, and that in and of itself does not harm the music that's produced. 
So, Gumfog, I wanted to get back to our roots a little bit tonight. I, I wanted to bring a song to you, and the song that I wanted to talk about tonight is from a Canadian metal band from 1991 with 12 full albums out, and the band is Cataclysm. And the song that we have tonight is Kill the Elite, which was off of Waiting for the End to Come from the 2013 release. I know you're a big fan of Canadian metal. What do you think about this band? What do you think about the song in particular? Brian, you know I'm a fan of Cataclysm. When I interviewed Veronica Ortiz Rodriguez, who at that time was the vocalist for the melodic death metal band Car Chaos out of Montreal, I talked about how I was a fan of Canadian metal, in particular metal out of Montreal, like The Agonist and Cataclysm Uh was one of the bands that I cited. I really enjoy Cataclysm. They're one of those melodic death metal bands that really fits in that genre, what I think is the highest point in the evolution of heavy metal. I have to agree that this is a great death metal band. I don't know if I'd call them even melodic. I, they're, they're very brutal death metal, if you ask me. If you listen to their early stuff, they make the point of talking about how they've evolved, You know that their early stuff was much less progressive and, and refined. And, and you could you could see a difference in their music from the first album and then sort of the couple of middle albums. And, you, and then there's a definite difference with this song and this album in particular. But they're still very brutal. They have that great flow. They have that grab-you-by-the-balls quality I love about music. And I'm really impressed with this band, and in particular this song. I just like this song. Yeah, I mean, that's fine. I, I, I would define them certainly as melodic death metal. If you look at the entirety of their catalog, I think they fit within that general genre. Let me ask you this, because this song is a great example of death, melodic or brutal death metal. What do you like so much? Why do you think this is the evolutionary uh, pinnacle of metal? Well, I'm not saying this song is, but I'm saying that the style that this song fits in, which is melodic death metal, is. It fits within that genre that employs what I think is maybe the most innovative element of metal, which is the death element, but also retains that melodic, uh, the harmonies and the melody that is present in power metal and the earliest of classic metal. Yeah, and and I get that. Let me ask you this. Let me be more specific with my question. What about this song is death metal? And I'm not disagreeing with you. I just want to know what you identify as it, especially based on our earlier conversation. Uh, The vocals. The vocals. The harshness of the vocals. Do you qualify the double bass blast beats as death metal? That's certainly an element. Yeah, that is an element. Yeah, because this song in particular, you know, Kill the Elite, is much different from their songs on their first album, which is almost entirely composed. The whole song is just it's just this incredibly heartbeat controlling blast beats from front to end, from front to back. I mean, it's just that's what the song is. And, and this is a little different. This has a little more mix of the styles, and and maybe that's what you're talking about with the melodic, and maybe that's what you're talking about with the melodic death metal. Yeah, I mean, I enjoy blast beats. I'm I'm not someone who is overly critical of that, employing that technique. I am someone who enjoys, aesthetically, a band that employs that technique somewhat judiciously. Yeah, I, and, and I don't, I like blast beats. You know, that's been a great new discovery for me. It's, it's just songs that I love that have that element to it. 
And you're right about that. I love the vocals of this band. I think this guy pulls off the harsh vocals. And you know, one of the you know, I was reading the lyrics to this song. It just kind of kind of jovially came to me. You know, I hope these guys don't believe what they're saying here. You know, and that brought to mind, you know, a lot of a lot of the things that I read in the lyrics of these songs. You got to wonder how much of this is just writing and getting out the angst, and how much of it, if any of it, is real. What, you know, any thoughts on something like that? Compared to what? Compared to an ACDC song where they basically talk about raping a woman? No, no, that's not what I'm talking about at all. I'm talking about, do you think these guys really think that we should kill the elite? I often wonder about when these bands are writing, are they just trying to come up with the most aggressive, violent thing they can think of to fit into the death metal genre? Or are they actually feeling this stuff? I don't think they are. I don't think that Cataclysm wants us to kill the elite. But it is an interesting question. If you're saying, should I take the lyrics on some surface, literal level, I think the answer is no. Any more than someone would read a Stephen King novel and say, well, I'm supposed to waylay somebody on the highway and torture them. I don't think anyone takes it that way. Yeah, I, I actually agree with that. I just thought I'd throw that out there, you know. It's an interesting, it, it, to me, it's an interesting question. You know, where do you get, where do you come up with these things? You know, and, and it is no different than Stephen King coming up with something really crazy. No, and I don't think it's crazy. I mean, as you know, Brian, I have a definition of heavy metal, which is five parts, M-E-T-A-L. And one of those parts is L, which is lyrical darkness. And I think it's important that the lyrics of a metal song embody the darkness in reality. We're not focusing on rainbows and fairies. We're talking about the dark parts of life. And that's an important element in metal. You and I completely disagree on this part of it. Yeah. But, you know, no. you metal would doesn't say have that to be dark. Metal doesn't you would have to be say, dark. You would say that U2 is a metal band. If you like U2. Yeah, that's not correct. Never would if I you, say that. If and if like, I do say that, you have so permission why to would you two not be a metal band, Brian? Because I don't like them. Because you don't like them. So if someone likes you two, they become a metal band. No, if I like you two, they become a metal band. You're getting this oh, all mixed so up. Metal is about what Brian K. Toronto likes. Thank you. And on that note, we can end the podcast. Brian, we've had a great discussion tonight. We have had a great discussion, Gomthog, and I appreciate you submitting to my will and understand that there is no more debate. Is that what we arrived at? Brian, I think that your ideas are outdated. I think that you're a relic of the 90s and that most people who are 30 or under will laugh at your concepts of metal. Okay, and on that note, I think you should bite me, and I think that's a pretty good podcast. We can wrap it up there. We want to thank the listeners and readers and followers, fans of the Great Metal Debate uh, podcast. I want to invite you to come back next time. I'm sure that we'll have something good in the burner. Check us out on Facebook at Facebook The Great Metal Debate. Also, check out our uh, podcast and interviews on SoundCloud.com. All right, we're out. <laughs>